The Florida Gators have done a pretty good job as at addressing needs and adding talent where they need to, but there's one glaring weakness that we're going to talk about here on Locked On Gators. You are Locked On Gators, your daily podcast on the Florida Gators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Lockdown Gators, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making Lockdown Gators your first listen of the day. We're available daily and free wherever you listen to podcasts. Happy Friday. It's time. I'm Brandon Olson. Find me on Twitter at WNS underscore Brandon. Find my written work with Whole Nine Sports and Giants Country of SI.com. Today's episode of Lockdown Gators is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Lockdown. Make every moment more visit fanduel.com slash locked on to get started and if you follow me on twitter which you should if you don't it's rude but wns underscore brandon um i've been tweeting out these little position group combinations where when i started it was secondary and then i went to the front four and yesterday was the offensive line and i'm like hey gators fans how would you feel about these combinations it's not my it's not my picks that i would make but i'm just curious to know what people would think of this group um and when i did the defensive line one on wednesday or the front four is what we'll say on wednesday i was like dang uh the gators are thin at that jack linebacker spot and jack linebacker if you don't know when you watch florida you'll often see two interior defensive linemen with their hand in the dirt your 2d tackles You'll see Prince Uman Mielin with his hand in the dirt on one of the end spots. And usually on the opposite spot from Prince Uman Mielin, so on the other side of the defensive tackles, you'll see whoever it is with, like, they're standing on the edge like a defensive lineman would, but they don't have a hand in the dirt. They're pass rushing outside linebacker. That's your jack linebacker in this defense. So in 2022, just not who played, but the players that were at that Jack spot, according to the Florida Gators roster that listed as Jack, Brenton Cox Jr., David Reese, Chief Borders, Andrew Savayanai, Bryce Capers, Jack Pyburn, Antoine Powell Ryland, and Lloyd Summerall III. You'll probably recognize a lot of those names. However, of that list, Brenton Cox Jr., dismissed from the program, David Reese, Transferred from the program. Chief Borders. Transferred from the program. Andrew Savayanai. Moved to tight end. Bryce Capers. Wild card. Jack Pyburn. Wild card. Antoine Power Island. Your incumbent starter for 2023. And Lloyd Summerall III. Transferred from the program. That means of all those guys, you've got three coming back. Two of which you've seen so few snaps from. It's really hard to evaluate anything that they've done. And so looking at that, I was like, okay, this is actually a, a really thin group that the Gators have at Jack linebacker. And that's a bit worrisome because, you know, I'm fine personally with Antoine Powell Ryland starting. That is, is not an issue for me at all. Um, I, I like him. I think he performed well, especially after Brenton Cox Jr. left when seemingly everyone got better. And 
also I'll say when Vernon Cox left, it kind of became, oh, so it, that that's like proof that, that when someone leaves and someone is toxic and they leave, that the players around them will perform better because Prince Liuman Mielin got significantly better. Antoine Powell Ryland became a starter and got better. And so I'm fine with Antoine Powell Ryland being a starter at that Jack linebacker spot. No issues with that. But here's the thing. Injuries happen. And when you are incredibly thin at that outside linebacker spot, that's a little worrisome. Bryce Capers was, if I'm not mistaken, a preferred walk-on last season. Complete wild card to this team. Jack Pyburn, complete wild card to this team that I, I think can be good. Like, like in the very, very, very limited snaps we saw from him, he looked pretty solid. Good special teamer as well, so that's always a big plus. But you are one Antoine Powell Ryland injury away, which... Knock on wood, I don't want anybody to get injured, but I'm saying as a team-building approach, you're one injury away from having to start Bryce Capers or Jack Pyburn. That's not a good situation to be in. It's not That's factually, that's just not a good situation to be in where also at any position, you don't want just three players on your roster, especially in college when you can have 85 scholarship players on roster and way more walk-ons, you don't want only three players available there. Um, and I know, you know, there's a couple preferred walk-ons that came in here, but we're talking about people who are going to contribute this year. And odds are, if you're a preferred walk-on, you're not ready to contribute to the Florida Gators in 2023. Now there is a scholarship player coming in. That's going to be playing Jack and that's TJ Searcy, who, at the time of his commitment, was one of the highest-ranked Gators commits around, and he was a huge add for this team. And actually, he might have been the highest-ranked when he committed, um, which is saying something because I feel like quite a few guys rose up afterward, after they committed. So when TJ Searcy committed, he might have been the highest-ranked commit uh, in the 2023 class. He's going to be playing Jack Linebacker. Is he going to be ready to play Jack linebacker in the SEC in 2023? Probably not. That's just that's just a difficult ask to ask anybody at any position to go, hey, yeah, we know you're in the SEC and we know that you're in the, the best conference in football. You're you're at the highest level that isn't the NFL. And you're 18. Just step in. You're fine. Um, so TJ Searcy is one of those guys where he's going to be playing Jack. I'm not super certain how ready he's going to be like tj seriously could be a red shirt player and that's not a negative thing it's just the reality of the situation he might be a red shirt kind of player so when you're looking at this roster and you look at who was here last year and you look at who's here this season or at least right now at the, at the start of the spring session you should be not worried but it, it should be a We'll say it should be the number one priority in the transfer portal when the second transfer portal window opens, because don't forget, we wrapped up the first transfer portal window, but there is going to be a second transfer portal window. That's also going to be crazy. Like, I feel like people just think of the second transfer portal window as like, let me, let me put it into NFL terms. People think of the first transfer window as days rounds one through five of the NFL draft. And then they think of the second window as rounds six, seven and undrafted free agency. That's not the case. 
because there's going to be players who lose position battles in spring or feel as though they're going to lose position battles in spring or have a new coach and they're like, nope, I don't like this after spring ball, and they're going to leave their program. So it's going to be crazy. You might not see as many star players come in, but you're going to see probably just as many contributors come into this class or come into this transfer portal window and in the second window. So that's something to keep note of. And we're about to talk about some names who are in the portal right now that I I don't know if Florida's contacted them. I I don't have that information readily available. I reached out and I'll let you know if, if I get an update on it. But there, there's two names here that we're going to talk about that Florida should at least look at. But first, today's episode of Locked on Gators is brought to you by FanDuel because the Super Bowl is here. And as I've done all week, uh, I'm, I'm going to pick a bet right now and I'm just going to go for it. And, and we're just going to see what happens with it. Um, so FanDuel, if you don't know, is America's best sportsbook. It's the number one sportsbook in America and they're Locked On's new sportsbook partner. Uh, either Chauncey Garner-Johnson or James Bradbury to record an interception is what I'm doing. Plus 300 odds. I like it. I'm, I'm taking it. This is going to be a good football game. So that's what I'm doing. I've been placing bets every time I do these ad reads, and I'm not lying to you. I'm doing these, and I'll let you know if I make money from it or lose quite a bit of money from it because they're all plus odds. So we'll see. But new customers can join, place a $5 free bet, and or place a $5 bet and receive $150 in free bets, whether you win or lose. Sign up at fanduel.com slash locked on. Thanks again for making Lock Gators your first listen of the day. We're available daily and free wherever you listen to podcasts. And like I just said, we're going to talk about some transfer portal names that the Florida Gators could add. And I will say this again. I know I touched on it in the first segment, but I'm not saying Florida needs to add these guys. I'm not saying that these players uh, need to be Florida Gators. I'm not saying that these players need scholarship offers from Florida Gators. What I am saying is that Florida should look at them because if you're going to add a Jack in the transfer portal, these are some of the best guys available, at least in my opinion. And I will also say this, they're not great. I don't, I don't think they're great. But like I said last segment, I'm pretty comfortable rolling into 2023 with Antoine Powell Ryland as a starting Jack linebacker. So I'm cool with that. And then you look at Bryce Capers, Jack Pyburn, and TJ Searcy. They're all confirmed to be here for 2023. I would just like to add a backup with experience or a rotational player with experience. That's what I'm looking for. So the first name to talk about here is Minnesota Edge Lorenza Sherg- Lorenza. Sergers, sorry, that always screws me up. Lorenzo Sergers, he was at Vanderbilt for his first two seasons in college before he transferred to Minnesota. I don't think Minnesota used him the way he anticipated um, because at Vanderbilt, he wasn't this world eater, but he was mainly playing with his hand, not in the dirt. He was playing as a stand-up edge rusher, like the Jack linebacker spot. He went to Minnesota and he played almost exclusively as a defensive end with his hand in the dirt as a pass rusher there. I realize that for a lot of people, that seems like, like it's no difference. Like people are just like, okay, whether you have a hand in the dirt, whether you're in a 
at two point stance, which is stand up, whether you're in a three point stance, which is one hand down or a four point stance, which is both hands down, who cares? You're still rushing the passer. It's vastly different. I, I, I'll say that. I, I know that I've talked about playing like, like corner and safety before. And, and there were times when I was on scout team that I have to play on the D line. It is way different to play with hands up one hand in the dirt or two hands in the dirt. So maybe that's what happened with Lorenzo Sergers, where he was just like, okay, I did not anticipate playing hand in the dirt. I'm not good with a hand in the dirt, or I'm not at my best with a hand in the dirt. So I think when if you can add Lorenzo Sergers, who is pretty solid against the run, not a great pass rusher. I, I don't want to say he's not a great pass rusher. I want to say, He's above average as a pass rusher, solid against, and I mean like rock solid against the run. And when he was asked to drop back in coverage, which is mostly at Vanderbilt, not so much in Minnesota, he did a pretty good job. And watching the Florida Gators, you know, if you're playing that Jack linebacker spot, heck, if you're playing the DN spot that has a hand in the dirt, you're going to be dropping back in coverage at least once or twice or, or however, depending on, how often you play, you're going to be dropping back in coverage. That's going to be something you're asked to do. So maybe Lorenzo Sergers can do that. And it's also one of those things where it still irritates me when Georgia and Florida played in the 2022 season, Brendan Cox is in coverage and Stetson Bennett threw a ball right in his zone. And the commentators were like, oh my God, what an amazing play by Stetson Bennett. He threw the ball at a, a, a pass rusher. Who cares? Like, like that's not impressive that you threw the ball to a pass rusher and and you completed a pass. Oh my goodness, I'm stunned. Sorry, that still pisses me off. Uh, I, I hate bad commentary, and there's so much bad commentary in football today or sports today. The other guy we're talking about now that I went completely off track is TCU Edge Colt Ellison, and I know that people want to clown TCU for, for getting demolished in the national championship. But guess what? They beat Michigan. They beat everybody they played in 2022, except Kansas state who they did beat once. So actually they beat everybody they played in 2022, except Georgia because they beat Kansas state once they lost to Kansas state once. So they beat everybody they played except Georgia. They beat everybody they played except the national champions. And even then, honestly, I think that was more on coaching than the players. I think that like, I I get it. Georgia's way faster than TCU, but TCU just made no adjustments. And they were like, yeah, we're going to do that. So for Colt Ellison, he's been a rotational player for four years. His one year remaining of eligibility. But I think Florida can kind of step in and say, hey, Colt, uh, we'll give you more than nine snaps per game. He technically played 11 and a half snaps per game, but that's including one game where because of injury, he played 33 snaps. So when he was playing his role in that defense, it was nine snaps per game. So I think that Florida can go up to him and Mike Peterson can go up to him and say, Hey man, we'll, we'll play you for more than nine snaps per game. And I think with his size and experience for Colt Ellison, he, he was, here's the thing where I'm also saying, it's hard in that TCU defense to be a successful edge rusher. There is a reason that most of their pressures and sacks and quarterback hits come from off ball linebackers that are used as pass rushers that are used as blitzers. That's not 
oh, their team just sucks outside of those guys. No, that's they play a unique 3-3 stack defense that is popular in the Big 12. And it's hard because as an edge rusher, you're left on an island. And I mean, you're left on a defensive island. Like, like it's not like, oh, I get to go one-on-one with the tackle. It's no, I'm going one on one and a half or one on two because that guard can help. That guard can seal. That guard can stick a hand out and, and, and just help the center and my tackle. And he could just help out there. So it's really, really difficult to be an edge rusher for TCU and find consistent success. I believe that's one of the reasons O'Shawn Mathis transferred out. Didn't work out for him too much, but I think that's one of the reasons that he transferred out. And that's one of the reasons that TCU doesn't typically have great pass rushers because it's hard to play in that defense and find success unless you have great pass rushers at uh, at your nose tackle spot and at both end spots, which are usually like fives, uh, five tech. And it's hard to win those. So I, I think for that with Colt Ellison, it's like, hey, man, come here. You'll get more snaps than you had at TCU. Not many, but more snaps and not many more snaps, but, but more snaps. And you'll be put in a better situation that's not just like, hey, you need to win a double team every single play won't be an issue there. So Colt Ellison is one of the guys that I want to look at. Lorenzo Sergers is another guy that I want to look at. But to wrap up today's show, we're going to talk about on-roster potential fixes to this issue. But first, a quick word from our sponsors. To wrap up today's show, we're talking about players who are currently on the Florida Gators roster that could contribute to this team that could contribute to this Jack linebacker spot as that pass rushing edge spot or pass rushing linebacker spot. And the first name that I'm going to bring up is the best pass rusher on the team. Prince Leoman Mielin. I understand he's played DN more than anything else, but, and also he's been pretty damn good at that defensive end spot. But when you look at that defensive end spot, there are three players that I believe are good and are ready to play SEC football at that defensive end spot. You've got Prince Leumann Malin, who has proven himself time and time again, especially in 2022. You've got Tyreek Sapp, who made some plays. You've got Justice Boone, who made some plays. And those are three names that I'm comfortable with. I'm high on. I think they're all very good defensive ends. Of those three... Prince Leumann Mielin would probably be the easiest to transition from that defensive end spot to Jack linebacker spot. And so if you're looking for a Jack linebacker, if you can move Princely there, because when you've got whoever is in at D tackle and you've got whoever is in at DN, and then you've got Jack linebacker as Antoine Powell Island or someone not the best. If you start Princely at Jack, use Antoine Powell Ryland as a backup, which again, I'm still comfortable with him being a starter. But if you want to put Princely at Jack, he's going to start. And Antoine Powell Ryland will be a fantastic third pass rusher. That's awesome. So of those three, Princely is the easiest transition to Jack, just given his size and build. And it's another way to get Tyreek Sapp and Justice Boone significant playing time each. Because let's say you move Princely to Jack. Now you have at DN ready to play right now, Tyreek Sapp and Justice Boone. Whether or not you start either or whoever you start, the other one can rotate in and play pretty consistently. So Princely moving to Jack might actually be the best solution here. It sucks for Antoine Powell Ryland, who played well when he became a starter last year, 
but you got to get your best 11 on the field, right? And if that's not Antoine Power Island, then it's not Antoine Power Island. And, and that's how football works. That's how winning works. Can't play people you love. Can't play people who you thought were going to be worse and then exceeded your expectations. That's not a good enough reason to start you. But, I mean, first of all, the good enough reason for Antoine Power Island to start is because he's earned it. But, again, sometimes that's how, that's how the cookie crumbles. One more guy that is, well, technically not yet, but is going to be on this 2023 roster for the Florida Gators that I think could try the Jack linebacker spot if his measurables that are listed online are accurate. Gavin Hill. Uh, I realize that he's typically thought of as, from Gators fans at least, Gavin Hill is typically thought of as a three-tech interior pass rusher that's going to play as, as a defensive tackle and is going to be the pass-rushing defensive tackle that's playing next to Desmond Watson, Chris McLellan, Cam Jackson, whoever's at nose tackle or one-tech, whatever you want to, zero, one-tech, nose, whatever you want to call them, who's playing next to that big-bodied guy. Or Gavin Hill is thought of as a strong side defensive end, which if Princely moves to Jack, you could play Gavin Hill as the third defensive end there, and you have Tyreek Sapp, Justice Boone, and then Gavin Hill. So I, I think that there's plenty of reason there, there's plenty of justifications to do whatever you want with Gavin Hill, bulk him up and make him that pass rushing defensive tackle, keep him at his current weight and make him your Jack linebacker or your strong side defensive end. Because right now, He's the size of a lot of guys. He's 10 pounds heavier than the average weight of a Jack linebacker in this defense. Um, and, and, and yeah, so he's, he's 10 pounds heavier. The average weight of the Jack linebacker for this defense is 244 pounds. He's listed as 255 pounds. But at, at 6'3 as well, he fits the size profile. Your Jack linebackers last year, 6'1", 6'4", 6'3", 6'3", 6'3", 6'3", 6'3", 6'5", 6'5". Or sorry, not even the last six five, just one six five. That that's Gavin Hill's height range. The weights: two thirty eight, two forty one, two sixty one, two thirty one, two sixty three, two forty three, two thirty one. Throw in Gavin Hill. He's he's two fifty right now. Is what he's listed at. Two fifty is slightly heavier than the average jack spot. Throw him in there if you want to. I'm not saying that should be what you do, but he's a good functional athlete that is already the size of a good number of Jack players on the roster from last season. If you can, I don't want to say even make him lose a little bit of weight. If you can change some of the baby fat to muscle, you're looking at, at, at a rocked up Jack linebacker, nothing to complain about there. So Gavin Hill could be worth a look personally. I wouldn't do it. I'm just saying he could be an option for the Florida Gators to take. But thanks for making Lockdown Gators your first listen of the day every day. We're available daily and free wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll be back tomorrow to talk more Florida Gators football. For your second listen of the day, check out Lockdown SEC, hosted by Chris Gordy of Sports 790. Get the best coverage on the best conference in the best university, the University of Florida. Right here, baby, for Lockdown Gators. I'm Brandon Olson. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at WNS underscore Brandon. Find all my written work with Whole Line Sports and GiantsCountryFSI.com, and I'll see you all tomorrow.